0: Abortion in Florida, the fight over the state's new 15-week abortion law, and a constitutional privacy protection. This is the Florida Roundup from WLRN Public Media in Miami and WJCT Public Media in Jacksonville. I'm Tom Hudson. My co-host Melissa Ross is off. One week after the reversal of Roe v. Wade's abortion protections, Florida is in a court battle over a new law restricting abortions to 15 weeks. Abortion supporters say a right to privacy enshrined in the state constitution protects the right to choose. Meantime, one week after that historic Supreme Court decision, how has reversing federal abortion protections affected access here, including access to abortion medication? And how could the abortion issue play out at the ballot box in the races for governor, U.S. Senate
1: and the state legislature? It's all ahead on the Florida Roundup after the news. Support for the Florida Roundup comes from ABC Fine Wine and Spirits, family-owned and operated since 1936. Guests can shop any of ABC's 125 Florida stores and get curbside service through abcfws.com.
0: Welcome to the Florida Roundup here on Florida Public Radio. Thanks for supporting public broadcasting in your community. I'm Tom Hudson in Miami. My co-host Melissa Ross is off this week. It's been one week since the U.S. Supreme Court removed a constitutional right to have an abortion. And this week, a state judge cited Florida's state constitution for protecting abortion access. A state judge ruled that a new law restricting abortions in Florida from 24 weeks to 15 weeks is unconstitutional. That ruling came on Thursday, a day before the law took effect. But the ruling has yet to be issued in writing, which means the 15-week ban is state law. For now, the state will appeal this ruling once it goes into effect. An appeals court is likely to let the new law stand as the case makes its way through the judicial system. Ultimately, the fate of the law could rest with the Florida Supreme Court, which historically has turned back most efforts to restrict abortion in the Sunshine State. And that's because of Section 23 of the state constitution. It guarantees Floridians a right to privacy. And that's been uh, interpreted by the uh, state's high court to include the right to abortion. With or without a 15-week ban, Florida has one of the most permissive abortion laws among states in the southeastern United States, especially compared to neighbors, Georgia and Alabama. So here we are, a week after the historic overturning of federal abortion restrictions. What are the implications going forward in Florida? What do you think about the state's new abortion 15-week ban with no exception for rape and incest, only for the life of the mother? Our conversation underway statewide now live on this Friday, 305-995-1800, 305-995-1800. We're on social media as well. Keep it civil at Florida Roundup on Twitter. Let's talk to Carol Gross, Legislative Director and Senior Policy Counsel for the ACLU of Florida one of the parties suing over the new 15-week abortion restriction law in Florida. Carol, welcome to the program. Thanks for your time.
2: Thank you for having me, and thank you for covering this critical issue.
0: As we are speaking just after noon Eastern time on this Friday, the new law in Florida is in effect. How are clinics responding?
2: So yesterday, the circuit court judge blocked HB 5, going into effect hb5 is the 15-week abortion ban and the court held that it is blatantly unconstitutional under the florida state's constitutional right to privacy now because the ruling was from the bench um the he had indicated that he hasn't yet been able to enter the order so we expect for the order to be entered Early next
0: week. So, so in the meantime, in the law, this the law goes into effect. So, in the first twelve hours here on July first, any response from from clinics? Are they following this fifteen week ban?
2: Clinics will absolutely be following the law. the The issue here is that this law is unconstitutional, and a court heard the evidence and heard the arguments and based on that evidence, understood and indicated that this is a blatantly unconstitutional law under Florida's state explicit privacy protections. And Florida has had these explicit privacy protections in our own state constitution since 1980. So the will of Floridians and the will of the people is to protect access to abortion and HB 5, contravenes the
0: will of the people. I want to ask you about the uh, that clause, that uh, constitutional amendment that was passed in 1980, interpreted by the Florida State Supreme Court in 1989 to include abortion access, but first to this 15-week law that is in effect, even as uh, uh, you and, and everybody else in Florida waits for this uh, action to be uh, entered officially into the court record. Does the law, the 15-week ban, impact access to abortion medication in Florida?
2: So the law that went into effect, HB 5, it bans abortions after 15 weeks. So anybody who would need to get an abortion after 15 weeks will no longer be able to under this law as long as this law is in effect. And unfortunately, that is something that the governor signed into law, and the governor has indicated that, that he supports this ban, and he supports a ban on abortion, and he supports restricting individuals' access to abortion. And that is directly contrary to our florida constitution
0: is it your understanding that that includes abortion medication that's prescribed by a doctor outside of florida but to someone who is in florida
2: what the law does is it makes it a crime for providers to provide access to abortion care after 15 weeks and so under the law providers Medical providers who are providing necessary and essential care to individuals, they will be subject to a third-degree felony and up to five years in prison for providing that medically necessary and essential health care to individuals who are seeking it.
0: We're speaking with Kara Gross, legislative director and senior policy counsel of the ACLU of Florida, one of those suing over Florida's new 15 week abortion restriction law, which has gone into effect, even as a state judge uh, signaled from the bench on Thursday that uh, he will rule it unconstitutional. Uh, So that will uh, take effect as soon as that ruling is written and entered into the court record. Uh, 305-995-1800, our phone number statewide here on the Florida Roundup. 305-995-1800 or at Florida Roundup on Twitter. Kara, the state argues the number of people seeking abortions affected by this 15-week ban is very small. It pointed to a statistic that 96% of abortions in Florida are done before 15 weeks. Is that relevant?
2: The vast majority of abortions are performed prior to 15 weeks. The issue is that for all of those individuals that need an abortion after 15 weeks, none of them will be able to access the care they need. And under our current law and the law that has been in effect uh, for the past 50 years, have an explicit right to privacy that includes the right to access abortion care up until 24 weeks. So this bans abortion for almost uh, 10 weeks from what you currently are able to access, and that is a ban for everybody who seeks abortion after 15
0: weeks. We've referred to this uh, privacy clause of the Florida state constitution. A number of uh, abortion supporters for access have pointed to that clause as enshrining the right to privacy and the right to an abortion in Florida. The state judge said this 15-week ban violated that privacy section of the state constitution. That section does not mention abortion by name. So why is this privacy clause relevant in this case?
2: I'm so glad you raised that because this is the crux of the issue Florida's state constitution is stronger and more protective of Floridians privacy rights than our US constitution and i want to be very clear here our florida constitution article 1 section 23 states that it has a right of privacy explicitly in there and it mm-hmm. states that and i'm going to quote every natural person has the right to be let alone and free from governmental intrusion into the person's private life. So it is very broad. Every natural person has the right to be let alone and free from governmental intrusion into the person's private life. There is no greater governmental intrusion into a person's private life than politicians forcing people to remain pregnant against their will and dictating whether and when an individual should have a child. So it is a very broad and very expansive and very protective right to privacy that not only includes abortion, but includes all governmental intrusion into a person's private life. And that is what HB5 is taking away from us and that is what the governor is seeking to take away from us.
0: HB5 so is signing this into law. HB5 is the uh, is the 15 week abortion restriction which is currently law now as of midnight on July 1st. 2 years ago, a different state law went into effect after a court fight. That law requires a pregnant person wait 24 hours after a doctor visit to receive an abortion and that was judged as constitutional that it did not violate the privacy section of the state constitution.
2: So what is very frustrating here is that you see that the state is trying to take away our individual right to privacy to determine for ourselves how to live out our lives, whether and when to have a child. The state is forcing individuals to carry a pregnancy against their will. And At the same time that they are trying to pass unconstitutional laws to limit access to abortion to 15 weeks, they are also passing laws that are going to make it harder and harder for individuals to obtain the care they need within the 15 weeks by creating unnecessary delays in order to get that care, which is exactly what that other law does.
0: Kara Gross is the Legislative Director and Senior Policy Counsel of the ACLU of Florida. Kara, thanks for sharing your perspective with us today on the Florida Roundup. Much appreciated.
2: Thank you for covering
0: this. 305-995-1800. 305-995-1800 for our conversation here on the Florida Roundup. Barbara has been listening in in Miami. Barbara, thanks for listening and calling. You're on the radio.
3: Yes, hi. Uh Hi. Wow, I got a lot of comments, but let's begin with this whole privacy explanation I just heard. Mm
0: -hmm.
3: Then I guess euthanasia would be legal, because if I decide that that's what I want, then I should go ahead and do that according to the way that it was defined. So I think that what I hear here is basically the same thing that happened with the Constitution. There's these laws that are put that when you really look at it, they really don't apply, but they've been misused. And this definition I just heard, I wish she was still on so we can ask her, then euthanasia should be legal.
0: Uh, well, in fact, I, I i think she's still on the line, Barbara, if you could uh, just uh, be patient with me. I'm going to tell my uh, technical producer, Peter, we're going to go to the blue line here. We'll go to the blue line. Kara, I think you're still on hold. You still with us, Kara? Uh, yes, I am. Yeah. Did you want to respond to, and Barbara's still with us as well in Miami yeah. and her point there about uh about the extension of the Privacy Clause within the Florida State Constitution.
2: Yeah, so this isn't an extension of the Privacy Clause. This is actually the Privacy Clause of the Florida Constitution. So the our state constitution says every natural person has the right to be let alone and free from governmental intrusion into the person's private life. So Floridians amended our Constitution to put that in there in 1980, Again, in 2012, there was an attempt to uh, to dilute the constitutional protection and to exclude abortion access from the privacy provision, and that was defeated by the people. So the people, the Floridians, the majority of the people, voted that down, and it did not pass into law. Yeah. And so in 1989, also, the Supreme Court held that the privacy protection explicitly included the right to abortion so our constitution has said it the will of the people has said it Floridians Mm -hmm. have voted for that at the ballot box and so that is that is our constitution
3: but when you say floridians have voted for this on the see again i mean you speak very well unfortunately when i'm listening to you it could be it could be very confusing for people when you're saying floridians voted for this i don't think abortion has been on a ballot in florida and also when you look at this you're talking, when we say weeks, 15 weeks, this is four, almost four months of a pregnancy. And for anyone who's been pregnant, this is substantial. This is four months almost. So, again, I, ha- I think that there's this misuse of words. You also mentioned medically necessary procedure. Some t- many times, unfortunately, it has nothing to do with a medical necessity. It becomes an additional type of birth control.
0: But Barbara, so Bar- Barbara, you would—I you, you, suspect you would agree there are medically necessary abortions. No, do you absolutely, not?
3: Absolutely, okay. but unfortunately, when it comes to this discussion, there's keywords that are picked. It's like, okay, medically. I mean, right now on this show, when she was describing things, she said, "Oh, unfortunately, there won't be necessary. It won't be." We won't be able to do medically required. How about all the people that just decide, I'm four months pregnant, I don't want this baby, for no medical reason. You well, know, so again, I think that we, and, and I hope that NPR has more people on from that have a different point of view. Because there should be someone else on the show as well that has a different opinion. I mean, every time I hear a show, I know what side I'm going to be listening.
0: To. <laughs> well, well, it's a, it's one phone number for everybody here on the Florida no, Roundup, no, Barbara. No, no, talking about
3: your guests. I, your
0: guests. I, no, I understand exactly yeah. what you're saying, and the feedback is uh, is taken as constructive criticism, Barbara. We appreciate it. And we appreciate Thank your you. phone call as well. Thank you as well for joining us there. Three zero five nine nine five. 1800. Barbara brings up a really uh, uh, key question here. Uh, this is kind of the linchpin in Florida, which is this privacy clause, Section 23 of the Florida State Constitution. Charles Wells joins us now. He's a former chief justice of the Florida Supreme Court. Judge Wells, welcome back to the Florida Roundup. Thanks for sharing your time with us.
4: Thank you very much. I'm
0: well, glad to be here. I suspect you just heard the back and forth there about uh, about the privacy clause in the Florida State Constitution, what it... Uh, what it is has uh, has been interpreted to mean and uh, Barbara's question about the potential extension uh, of that privacy clause. uh, Help us kind of uh, navigate through how this privacy clause has been interpreted in Florida and what it applies and applies to.
4: Well, that's this earlier statement uh, was correct, that the privacy clause has been in the Florida Constitution since 1980. It was construed in respect to abortion in 1989 in a case which was called NRA TW. Mm-hmm. And in that case, the Florida Supreme Court said that the right to privacy under the Florida Constitution includes uh, a right to abortion. And that was a clear statement by the by the court in 1989. That case came uh, another case came to the court in 2003, having to do with a minor pregnancy and parental notification. Mm-hmm. And at that time, the Florida Supreme Court reiterated its statement that the right to privacy under Article 1 of the Florida Constitution controls and that there could not be a requirement for parental notification. Yeah. I remember that case well because I dissented.
0: Yeah, you, you, you sat I on didn't the court. Carry the day. Yeah. But I
4: didn't carry the day.
0: Uh, Judge, let me ask you, John Sternberger with the Florida Family Policy Council, has argued that the constitutional privacy amendment this section 23 had no intention of being applied to abortions when it was originally uh, written conceived of and then approved by voters in 1980 he says it was directed at what he calls informational privacy
4: I do not agree with that i think that it's it was my my thought is that in 2012 there was attempted to be placed on the, and there was placed on the ballot a statement which said that the proposed amendment provides that the state constitution may not be interpreted to create broader rights to an abortion mm-hmm. than those contained in the United States constitution. And that failed. And so that by 55% of the vote. And so the people of Florida affirmed in 2012, the court's earlier construction of the right to abortion under the right to privacy provision of the Florida Constitution and provide and that it was broader than that provided by the United States Constitution.
0: Judge Wells, can you stick with us over the break? Yes. All right. Think of it as a sidebar if you would, Your Honor. Okay, Okay, fair enough. Uh, Charles Wells is a former Chief Justice of the Florida State Supreme Court. He's retired. We're going to continue to navigate some of the legal uh, maneuvering here and how judges and courts are going to potentially interpret this privacy clause of the Florida State Constitution. We want to hear more from you as well. 305-995-1800. And we will speak with a clinic owner about abortion access.
1: Support for the Florida Roundup comes from ABC Fine Wine and Spirits, Florida family-owned and operated since 1936, and a proud supporter of public radio. ABC Fine Wine and Spirits, always be celebrating.
0: We're back on the Florida Roundup here on Florida Public Radio. Thanks again for listening. I'm Tom Hudson in Miami. My co-host, Melissa Ross, is off this week. It's been one week since the Supreme Court historic decision overturned 50 years of legal precedent for abortion access in the United States Constitution. We're talking about abortion and the implications here in Florida with Section 23 of the Florida State Constitution, the Privacy Clause, which abortion supporters have pointed to as protections for access to the procedure and medicine here in the state of Florida. Charles Wells is the former uh, chief justice of the Florida State Supreme Court, and he continues with us here. We're going to take more phone calls, Your Honor, here in a moment, 305-995-1800. We appreciate the patience of the callers. And you can tweet us in the meantime, at Florida Roundup is our handle on Twitter. Uh, Judge Wells, how should judges interpret this privacy amendment and previous court interpretations as they're likely to judge the new 15-week uh, ban on abortions, which is currently state law here in Florida that uh, began at midnight uh, this morning.
4: Judges are bound to follow the uh, law that was pronounced by the Florida Supreme Court in the 1989 decision uh, of NRAE TW and also are bound to follow the uh, 2003 opinion of the Florida Supreme Court in North Florida clinics uh, versus state of Florida. And so those opinions, um, the majority of the Florida Supreme Court leave no doubt that the right to privacy includes abortion in Florida.
0: Now, I would suspect that advocates would say uh, eight days ago they would use that same argument for federal access to abortion under the Roe v. Wade decision from the U.S. Supreme Court.
4: But the difference under the United States Supreme Court ruling and under the Florida Supreme Court ruling is the Florida Supreme Court is based upon the state constitution, Mm. In the decision by the US Supreme Court in Dobbs, the United States Supreme Court recognized that it was up to the states to uh, make decisions as to their own abortion laws. Florida has made it. And Florida has made the decision also that the right under the state constitution to privacy is broader Than any right under the United States Constitution. And that is something that has been Florida law for 50 years.
0: What's the legal test, Your Honor, that this 15 week ban is going to face as it likely is going to go before the current uh, Florida Supreme Court? I asked that question, uh, you know, clearly without a law degree, Your Honor, but the scrutiny that it's going to face, what is it going to be measured against? Uh, in terms of whether or not the uh, high justices decide whether or not it violates Section 23, the Privacy Clause?
4: Well, it should be measured against what the Florida Supreme Court has said in the cases which I have just cited. It also is to be tested against the provision in the Florida Constitution, but but under the Doctrine of Stereo Decisis, we follow earlier de- Right precedent of the highest court in Florida, which is the Florida Supreme Court. And it has said expressly that the right to privacy under Article 1, Section 23 of the Florida Constitution controls and it includes abortion.
0: Chief Judge, appreciate your time. Always a pleasure to speak with you. Thanks so much.
4: Thank you very much.
0: Charles Wells, former Chief Justice of the Florida State Supreme Court here on the Florida Roundup. 305-995-1800 as we continue to talk about abortion, abortion access here in the state of Florida. Amy listening in and joining the conversation from Boca Raton. Amy, go ahead. You're on the radio.
5: Hi, Good afternoon. So you asked for callers and uh, in refuting what the previous caller, Barbara, had said exactly 24 years ago today, I was having an amniocentesis Hmm. and it was past 15 weeks when horrible abnormalities are found no woman wants to have to make that decision of what to do for a child to be born with abnormalities and i proceeded i have a child with disabilities multiple disabilities and the sad thing is That not only is it grueling and heart-wrenching, there are no supports for these babies once they're born. Hmm. That's a harsh, sad reality that some parents do understand.
0: Amy, I appreciate you lending your voice to the conversation here from Boca Raton on the Florida Roundup. Tom listening in in Jacksonville on Line 11. Go ahead, Tom.
1: Uh, Yes, good morning.
4: Uh, I just wanted to say that I think for the most part there are two facts that that are uh, consistently overlooked in this. Uh, The first is the the danger to any mother that carries a pregnancy to term, which is significantly greater than the risk of an abortion. And second, for those that want to argue that uh, birth begins at conception, they have to realize that science tells us that the majority of the eggs that are fertilized never implant, and just pass from the body. So, obviously, uh, life can't begin at conception.
0: Tom, uh, appreciate your voice here in this conversation uh, statewide here on the Florida Roundup, 305-995-1800. The 55 clinics offering abortion services in Florida have performed more than 33,000 procedures so far this year, according to state data. About one out of every 14 were performed on someone traveling to Florida for the procedure. The service is a bit in limbo now today on this Friday, as Florida's new 15-week ban on abortions is the subject of a court fight, but at least for now, remains in force. Kelly Flynn is with us, CEO of A Woman's Choice in Jacksonville. Kelly, welcome to the program. Thanks for being with us.
6: Thank you for having me.
0: Is your clinic still making abortion appointments?
6: Uh, Yes, we are still open. We are still seeing patients um, up to 15 weeks right now. We are following the ban. Um, And yes, but we are still open and seeing patients.
0: So have you had to cancel procedures for those who are beyond the 15-week limit which is current law
6: yeah we have Um, it's 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 really sad um but we are doing our best to make sure that we find alternatives um to send our patients to we've working on um transportation uh, for patients later in 15 weeks to go to our clinics in north carolina um so we work with a number of different advocacy groups that are helping us raise money to help these patients with transportation lodging um, it's it's really difficult. They are having to pick up their entire family in some some sense and drive uh, a great distance to be able to have this procedure done.
0: North Carolina, then, is the nearest state to Florida that has a longer window for an abortion. Is that yes. correct?
6: That's correct. Yes.
0: Uh, what about requests for abortion medication?
6: Um, that is about 50 percent of our, our patients um, seeking abortions in first trimester um anyway, so that's we we can only provide the abortion pill up to nine weeks
0: and what sets that restriction
6: um that's just Fda protocol
0: I see uh what's the past week been like for uh, your clinic in Jacksonville
6: confusing um and very scary for I think I can speak on um speak to the majority of abortion providers in the country and and pregnant people um the law especially yesterday with um with the court ruling um we were a little relieved that we we did get the temporary injunction however um you know it's just going to continue to go back and forth but it's just been confusing there's so many people that that call in and are questioning if we're still open is abortion still legal um Patients are confused and they're scared that they're not going to be able to get the care that they need. So we are emphasizing that we are open and we are going to do our best to provide the best possible care and access that we can at A Woman's Choice.
0: A Woman's Choice runs clinics in several states. You mentioned North Carolina. There are uh, affiliated clinics in Georgia, Alabama, South Carolina. What's the status of abortion services in those clinics?
6: Um, well, we don't have any clinics in South Carolina or Georgia. We only have clinics in North Carolina. So right now um, our focus right now is trying to get patients um, to one of the three locations that we have, uh, Charlotte, Raleigh, and Greensboro. So um, the state right now is still, um, it seems to be a safe state, but in, in this time right now, it's just, so to- everything is just so unpredictable. Mm.
0: I appreciate the correction there on geography. I apologize. I uh, saw those states listed on the, the website for, uh, for a woman's choice. So I appreciate that fact check there. What does next week and the week after, what are you planning for as the CEO of a women's clinic that provides abortion services in Florida?
6: Um, We are really trying to get more staff to help accommodate the increase of patients that we may see from the surrounding States. Um, We are really working closely um, with our patients that are calling in to um, just let them know that we are still open and we're going to do the best that we can to to provide care. Like I said before, um, we're just simply trying to um, reassure our staff and patients that we're going to work hard to get through this. We're not really sure what's going to happen with the with the hearing and the decision next week. I have a feeling it's going to go back and forth. Um, you okay. know, the state file something and then then we'll file something back and it's just going to go back and forth, which leads to so much more confusion on when can a patient be seen past 15 weeks?
0: You, Because you're a party to the lawsuit challenging the 15 week law in Florida, correct?
6: That's correct. Yes.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, Kelly, thanks for sharing your experience with us. Much appreciated. Thank you for having me. Kelly Flynn, CEO at a women's choice uh, clinic in Jacksonville, also has clinics in North Carolina. 305 995 1800 is our phone number. Livia on line five has been very patient in uh, Tampa. Go ahead. You are on the radio.
5: Hey, how you doing? Um, my name is Livia. I am a volunteer with Tampa Bay Abortion Fund. Um, and I just want people to know that if they can't get an appointment in Florida right now, and they don't know what to do, CB will help them with um, travel arrangements or funding for a procedure. Um, clients and patients can and will be supported. And this care can't wait for lawyers to go back and forth. It's time sensitive care and it's needed now, today, tomorrow, and into the future.
0: Olivia, I appreciate you uh, calling in there from Tampa, 305-995-1800. Regardless of the side of the issue that you are on, it is the same phone number for everybody for our conversation today here on the Florida Roundup, 305-995-1800. Joel in Orlando on line 10. Go ahead, Joel.
1: Hey, thank you for taking my call. uh, I'm a truck driver, and I just tuned in and uh, heard the conversation, and I just wanted to get
0: your opinion on – the rights for men when it comes to uh, an abortion, and if you think it is constitutionally, uh, you know, right that if a man wants to father the baby, and the woman decides to either have an abortion or uh, take the father to court, or regardless, just
5: mostly have an abortion, um, should that father have any right into
0: that decision? Because also, I believe it's unconstitutional that if the woman decides to have the baby and the man does not, she uh, has then bound uh, to child support for hmm. the next 18 years. Yeah. Well, Joel, I'll put it out to the audience if uh, folks want to opine on, uh, on Joel's question there. Joel, a truck driver in Orlando listening in. Much appreciated, Joel, for providing a little bit of thought experiment there for us here on the Florida Roundup as folks are listening to it on Florida Public Media. Let's continue our conversation here with uh, Alex Carasquel, Intake Coordinator for Florida Access Network. This is a group that provides funding for people who cannot afford an abortion. Alex, thanks for spending your time with us here. What kind of requests for financial help has your group received in the past week?
7: Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, we have received, we, we not only cover abortion costs, we also cover practical support, which is what we refer to for um, lodging, travel, uh, child care, anything that may come in between that person and their appointment. Um, and we have been receiving lots of requests for mostly just covering their procedure costs, but also right now, like, people's financial statuses are, are, at risk, you know, a lot of people are struggling financially, so we have to pay for their gas in order mm. for them to get to their appointment. Um, a lot of people that get abortions already have children, and so we have to make sure that you know their children are taken care of. Um, so we also cover a lot of the childcare costs as well. Um, we just have a variety of requests.
0: How much? How what's an average cost for an abortion, either a surgical procedure or abortion medication that uh, that your group covers?
7: Yeah, the the starting price for an abortion could be around five hundred and fifty plus, um, and it goes up as weeks go by, um, the gestation age, I should say. But we typically try to cover up to around I don't know, like three four hundred, if we can. It depends on like what our budget is looking like, honestly. Mm-hmm. But we try to, especially in in this moment right now, where it's so uncertain what is going to be happening. We want to make sure that people get to their appointments and they don't have to reschedule and risk, you know, their gestation age going up and then potentially being unable to be seen in Florida. Thankfully, the 15-week abortion ban is going to have an injunction uh, temporarily. So hopefully that stays, but it's, it's so uncertain right now that we want to make sure that folks don't have to reschedule their appointments. So we're trying to provide as much help as we possibly can right now.
0: The state of Florida says that 96% of abortions in the state are done prior to 15 weeks. What's the experience uh, with uh, the folks that you help uh, through the Florida Access Network? At what gestation age are they generally seeking your financial assistance for help with an abortion?
7: That is correct. It typically is around first trimester Um, but that doesn't invalidate anybody that, that is getting an abortion later than that. You know, everybody should be, should have the access to abortion care when they needed.
0: And, uh, most abortions in Florida and the United States are with medication. What is access and the costs, uh, like for that kind of medication in Florida?
7: For the abortion, the medical abortion? Correct. Uh, yeah, it's. Typically ranges from around 550 to 700. It depends on okay. location, clinic, and things like that. Um, but yeah, it, it depends on the location.
0: Alex, thanks for sharing your uh, experience there with us. Much appreciated. Thank you. Alex Carasquel, intake coordinator for Florida Access Network. We're going to continue to talk about abortion here in the state of Florida. Important issue, no doubt about it. How could it influence voting this summer and fall some big elections coming up here in florida and could it be the issue that changes or cements your choice at the ballot box let us know
1: 305-995-1800 Support for the Florida Roundup comes from ABC Fine Wine and Spirits, family-owned and operated since 1936. Guests can visit 125 stores throughout Florida or shop online at abcfws.com. We're back on the Florida Roundup here from
0: Florida Public Radio. Thanks for listening. I'm Tom Hudson in Miami. My co-host Melissa Ross is off this week. We're just five weeks away now from early voting, beginning in some areas for the August primary, less than four months away from the first ballots cast this fall. Yeah, it is election year, a big election year here, as voters will decide the governor's race, race for U.S. Senate, congressional contests, and state legislative races. The economy is likely to be a big issue, certainly, but so will abortion, with last week's Supreme Court decision overturning the constitutional right to an abortion after 50 years. Is abortion the issue that will decide your vote, confirm your choice for a candidate? How could the issue shake up or crystallize political campaigns and donations in the weeks and months ahead? 305-995-1800. 305-995-1800. At Florida Roundup on Twitter. No better person to help navigate all this than Mary Ellen Klaas, Capitol Bureau Chief at the Miami Herald. Mary Ellen, welcome back to the program.
8: Hi, Tom. Good to be here.
0: Tell us about the reaction to the Dobbs decision last week uh, by Governor Ron DeSantis and how that may have, uh, how that kind of plays into his certainly the gubernatorial election, but also uh, uh, future political ambitions.
8: Well, it's been interesting. The governor um, has not kind of embraced the, um, in a big way and done a lot of chest-thumping like, a, like others. Um, he, he really has kind of remained very, kept kind of a low profile on, mm-hmm. on the Dobbs decision. Now, what we did see is this week, just act, in fact, just yesterday, when um, his 15-week abortion ban was uh, invalidated and put on hold by a um, Leon County Circuit Court judge, his uh, spokesperson came out and said that, you know, it's his. It's it's the governor's belief that the Florida Supreme Court back in 1989 and subsequent decisions misinterpreted Florida's right to privacy, and they believe that um, there is no right to uh, an abortion in Florida. But what we don't know is how far the governor will be willing to kind of make. The argument that we should ban abortion completely, versus his um, proposal, which is this 15-week ban. Right. And um, there's been a lot of speculation that th- that the governor, because he is right now, he's he's trying to run his re-election campaign with his sights on the 2024 presidential race, so he doesn't really want to get into the weeds too much here on on issues that force him into the middle on on issues like abortion. So that's, that's, what's complicating where he stands.
0: Yeah. His spokeswoman uh, emailed us this statement. Governor DeSantis is, and always has been pro-life. Our office is confident that this law will ultimately withstand all legal challenges. That refers to the 15 week uh, ban law that the governor signed into law uh, last spring. What are some of those uh, state political calculations that he's making uh, right now, with kind of a muted response to the U.S. Supreme Court decision in Dobbs, and uh, uh, fairly uh, muted, uh, uh, not really utilizing the bully pulpit of the governor uh, that he has with uh, with other issues.
8: Yeah, and and part of that is is really just basic um, math. <laughs> Florida's got one third of the, of its population is. Um, or the voting population are independent voters one-third are republicans and one-third are democrats now there is an increase in republicans in voter registration but it's it's not a substantially significant percentage Um, and then the other simple fact is that um, a majority of both independents and um there is a, there is a minority of republicans um but a majority of democrats and a majority of independents support the right to abortion in florida and because of that the governor um ha- doesn't really want to antagonize people too much yeah. and all of his advisors have said he really needs to you know win a re-election with a supermajority so that he can then that will catapult him onto the national stage as a candidate for for president. Um, So he doesn't really want to antagonize those middle-of-the-road voters.
0: A supermajority in a Florida governor's race could be 1%, Mary Ellen, right? 1% <laughs> margin of victory. <laughs>
8: well, you're right. Yeah. Yes, yes.
0: What about the impact on the Democratic side of the gubernatorial race here? Former Republican Charlie Crist, who has a, a record about uh, previous statements regarding abortion and abortion access, and the uh, uh, the, the current um, Agriculture Commissioner, Nikki Freed.
8: Well, they both have made it clear that um, if... The governor, for example, decides that he's going to hold a, um, a special legislative session after the election and pass additional voting restrictions. They would veto that, so they're they're trying to hold the line and make make it a hard um, you know mm-hmm. present themselves as as the opposite um, of where DeSantis is. But you're right when it comes between between the record the record of charlie christ has has been definitely morphed over the years and and so nikki Fried is is going to use that to capitalize on her on it the other thing that i think will be very interesting to watch is that um, while republicans really had the energy going into the november midterms i their the initial polling seems to suggest that this, because of Roe and now perhaps because of some of these um, other decisions relating to guns and climate change, there is increasing enthusiasm among Democrats. And now their enthusiasm for the midterm is about on par with Republicans. Mm. So that who shows up to vote um, could be these issues could motivate that. And that could have a difference to both candidates or candidates on both sides of the aisle.
0: Mary Ellen Klaus, Capitol Bureau Chief at the Miami Herald, here talking about the politics of abortion in Florida during this uh, election year here on the Florida Roundup from Florida Public Radio. Mary Ellen, uh, the other statewide race that's on the ballot this uh, fall will be the uh, United States Senate. Marco Rubio running for uh, re-election against Val Demings, the uh, former Orlando Police Chief, current uh, U.S. House Representative from Northeast Florida. Uh, talk to us a little bit about how, uh, how this issue on abortion and, and frankly, kind of the makeup and process in the Senate, the legislative process in the United States Senate, uh, may influence a turnout, uh, in the fall for, uh, for these candidates.
8: Well, I think we're already watching that. Um, Val Demings is definitely going to make, um, you know, her campaign, uh, more of a, uh, you know, a vote on what's the future of things like uh, abortion. Mm-hmm. and and um, this is likely to probably energize um, some of her supporters. Um, now, you know we're we're also watching as other other issues are going to complicate this. I think the January sixth hearings um, are going to make it very very, as that plays out, that's going to also add to the dynamic between Rubio and, and Demings.
0: How so? Um,
8: well, I, you know, I think uh, Rubio has dismissed it as a sideshow and theater. And um, I think by November, we will have a clearer idea as to whether or not there will be an indictment of the former president, or at least a discussion about mm-hmm. whether the justice department is getting closer to that. Um, and, and when you've got, and, and by that point, Rubio's positions may have he he may regret taking such a hard line against the January 6th um, commission. We'll see. Um, But but it's it's very clear to me that um, there's a lot of things kind of uh, still in motion and it's it's fluid. And um, the Democrats right now think that they can coalesce um, opposition to the to the Dobbs ruling and use that to energized voters. It's really uncertain as to whether or not they're going to be able to su- sustain that yeah. as it always is.
0: Yeah. And and, and what about the ability to uh, expand that beyond the statewide races for governor and U.S. Senate but to the state legislative races, which is likely going to be the forum for uh, uh, debate and the battle over uh, abortion laws, certainly in the near term?
8: yeah I think that's a really good question. And it really all comes down to how effective both sides are in their messaging. Um, i one thing I've been very intrigued by, and that is that Republican leaders have not they've been they've commended the Dobbs decision. They're happy about it. but you know what? they that's about it. Um, we haven't would they have not been out there saying we need to get stronger. we there's a, been a couple of of legislators. But even someone like um, Senator Dennis Baxley who has been known to be an abortion opponent mm-hmm. and and always at the tip of the spear in terms of these things he is he has been um, somewhat cautious saying things like you know we we've won but we got to make sure that the next step we get right hmm. so he's actually not even suggesting that we should be talking about a heartbeat bill which you know um, Legislation that would right. say that any time a heartbeat could be detected, um, that that yeah. abortion would not be allowed. That's the kind of thing they're not talking about. Mm. And I think that's very interesting.
0: Yeah, very, uh, very perceptive. There, long time watcher of all things Florida politics. Mary Ellen Kloss, Capitol Bureau Chief at the Miami Herald. Mary Ellen, thanks for your time. Have a great holiday weekend. You too. Thanks. And same for everybody else. Happy birthday, America. The Florida Roundup is produced by WJCT Public Media in Jacksonville, WLRN Public Media in Miami. Heather Schatz, too Tway, are the producers. Catherine Hobbs, the associate producer, director of radio operations, and the technical director is Peter Meritz. Engineering help from Doug Peterson, Charles Michaels, Josh Torres, Richard Ives answers the phones. All great Americans. Theme music provided by Miami jazz guitarist Aaron Libos at AaronLibos.com. I'm Tom Hudson for my co-host Melissa Ross. Thanks for listening, calling, supporting public broadcasting. Have a great and safe holiday.
1: Support for the Florida Roundup comes from ABC Fine Wine and Spirits, family-owned and operated since 1936. Guests can shop any of ABC's 125 Florida stores and get curbside service through ABC FW.